from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 21. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We've been making our way through the gospel of John. We've actually been in this study for three years, uh, just looking at a chapter or two at a time here or there. And of course, we've taken a lot of breaks along the way. But the hope is that as we keep coming back to John, as we keep considering the person of Christ, that his character um, would become true of us. Uh, And not just his character, but his instincts, that we would have the same instincts of Jesus, that we would respond and and react to things in the same kind of way that, that he does, that we would have the heart and the character of our Lord Jesus. I had to travel this week, and on the way home, uh, you know, the person that sat next to me uh, was a, a woman, and, and, you know, we kind of exchanged, uh, you know, greetings. And, of course, when you, when, you, uh, when you do that, a lot of times you say, what do you do? And, of course, you know, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Well, that's an interesting one, you know. That's not like I'm an accountant or, you know. That's all due respect to accountants. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, kinda, it kind of creates a situation. And, and so either people, you know, if, if they're a Christian, if they know the Lord, then they're excited. You know, they're, they're happy to sit down next to a pastor and they'll say, well, tell me about your ministry. You know, we love our pastor or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, if they're, if they're not a Christian, it, it creates a, an interesting moment, you know. And so the person will either kind of just blow it off. It won't be important to them. They kind of ignore it. Or it, it can create this kind of existential crisis, right? And they'll kind of think like, is God like sending something? You know, is this... Is this happening? And you're kind of on a plane. It's kind of scary. I mean, so it can kind of create really interesting conversations. And this one was more like that. I mean, the, she had, you know, these questions and thoughts. And, and she said, well, I, I believe in God, but, but God to me is someone I go to when I'm afraid. And I thought that was an interesting thing to, to say. And, and, and I said, well, what, what makes you afraid? Like, what are you afraid of? And she said, in a very honest kind of plane ride conversation, she said, you know, it, it's mostly failure. You know, I'm afraid that I'll fail at my job. It's, I'm afraid that I'll fail in my love life. I'm afraid, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid to fail. And I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we have that same kind of impulse instinct. We, we don't want to fail. 
We don't wanna be people that fail. And so we, we have this sense of, we need God to help us not fail. We need to prove ourselves. We need to make something of our lives. And you know, in order to make something of our lives, because we're not in complete control, we need, we need God's help, right? And so that's why it's nice to believe in God because to help me not fail, I wanna have somebody I can pray to. I wanna have somebody I can kind of call out to when it feels like I'm failing. Now, if that's your kind of understanding of God or notion of God, I think this text, I think what, what Brett just read for us could potentially change your entire life. And it could potentially change your, your complete understanding of the nature of God and who he is and really the nature of who you are. There's a couple of things I want you to see in the text, three in particular. First of all, the love of the shepherd. Number two, the authority of the shepherd, a very important point. And then finally, the division of the crowd. So let's look at the love of the shepherd. Now, if you were here last week, we got into this analogy that Jesus is giving of sheep and shepherd. And it's intentional, right? He's not just choosing this arbitrarily. It's, he is intentionally choosing this particular analogy. He wants us to see something in the analogy of what is a sheep and what is a shepherd. And so we should start with a sheep. What's a sheep? Well, you know, a sheep is an interesting animal. Jesus is not choosing this arbitrarily. Uh, you know, a cat. Any of y'all have cats? If you have a cat, a cat... They, they may, I mean, you feed them every day, you shelter them, but they act like they could care less about you, you know? You know the cat's in control. I mean, you can't correct a cat. You know, I have a dog, and my dog, she just wants to do whatever I say. I can correct her. She feels so bad. You know, she puts her head down. But a cat, you correct a cat, and a cat will look at you like, okay, you know, like, who do you think you are, right? I mean, a cat's, a cat's in control. A cat is in control of the situation. And, and you know, cats are kind of survivors. They, they, they kind of don't need you. I mean, they can hunt, they can climb trees. Like you put a cat in the wild and, and they'll be okay. You know, even dogs, as domesticated as dogs are, and uh, as, as kind as our dogs can be, you know, if their back got against the wall, dogs can kind of figure it out. They, they, can, they get in packs, they can kind of hunt together. I mean, dogs, they have claws. They can, they can, kind of, they can realize, oh, I can like, use this stuff. I can, I can survive with this. But the sheep, I mean, there's, there's not much there. I mean, they're not fast. They don't have claws. They don't have, I mean, they don't have like very sharp teeth. I mean, the, the, the sheep, I mean, it is a, without, you take the shepherd away from the sheep and the sheep is totally helpless. They can't defend themselves. They can't run. They can't really take care of themselves. They'll get lost. The sheep are very stupid animals. And, and what Jesus is saying here is so are we. <laughs> now, I don't want you to be offended by that. And he's saying it to me, he's saying it to you. I don't want you to be offended by that. But he's saying spiritually, spiritually, you're as helpless as a sheep. You're just like a sheep. You're as helpless as a sheep spiritually. Now, I don't know if you believe that, but it's true, you know. Now, the thing about us as Christians is we, we, the way we talk about our spirituality is if we're not helpless, right? We used to be helpless, but now we're okay. You know, a lot, you ever go to a Christian small group and you'll hear this. Christians will say stuff like, well, man, if you would have known me when I was 20, I was a mess. I was an idiot. Or if you would have known me when I was 30, I, I was a mess. But now we always kind of feel like we've just crested the hill of, spiritual maturity. You know what I'm talking about? But then, of course, we get more, 
we get further down the line, we get more perspective and we realize, actually, I was an idiot when I was 32 and I, and I had a long way to go when I was 42. And, and, and I think part of that is actually God's grace. If he showed us how bad we were all at once, it would totally destroy us. It would ruin us with, with guilt and shame. So he kind of leads us along in this. But the point I'm trying to make here is without the shepherd, you're helpless. You're broken. I've given this analogy many times, but none of us wants to be exposed. None of us really wants to be exposed. If I said, hey, I'm going to put all your thoughts and all your intentions up on the screen. I'm going to show this church who you really are. Who's up for that? Who wants to be exposed? I'm not talking about your 20-year-old self, right? I'm not talking about your 20-year-old self. I'm talking about you right now. Who, who wants to be exposed? Who wants, who wants really to be known? The point I'm trying to make here is we're sheep. <laughs> we're spiritually helpless. I mean, and, and look, guys, I'm a professional Christian, and it's true of me too. I mean, without my shepherd, without a shepherd, without Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to convict me, to lead me, to guide me, to, to know my heart, to correct me, without the body, without you guys correcting me, stirring me along. And we just experienced it. You know, how great was it to sing just together, not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, that's my only hope. This is my only hope. This is my only plea that I have a shepherd that loves me because I'm a sheep and I am so helpless without the shepherd. I will always do the thing, not the thing that's most glorifying to God. You know, my, my, without the shepherd, my natural impulse isn't to glorify God, it's to glorify myself. Without the shepherd, my impulse isn't to love others, it's to love, to get others to love me. That's what Jesus is saying here. I mean, without the shepherd, we are so helpless spiritually. And here's the amazing thing. This is the amazing thing about the shepherd. He's a good shepherd. That, that's, you have to understand the sheep part. You have to understand that we're helpless spiritually. You have to understand that we have nothing to offer God. You have to understand that we have no defenses. You have to understand that without the shepherd, we're a mess. In order for the second part to really make sense, it's because Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. And even though my sheep are a mess, I lay down my life for them. I love them. I give them everything. I've given my full self for them. I will protect them no matter what. I will care for them. I will give my whole life for them. The sheep that, have, that can offer him nothing. He says, they're my sheep. And I'll lay down my life for them. Now, what is like that? What is like that? Jesus gives this analogy of the hired hand. And, and most of the world is like the hired hand, right? That's the way most of the world is. When, when danger comes, they're out. I mean, the gal that I met on the plane... And she said, you know, I'm afraid of failure. Why is she so afraid of failure? Because that's the way the world is. If she fails at her work, she's fired. She's a failure in her love life. If she doesn't do what her, you know, boyfriend expects, he'll dump her. I mean, that's the way that so much of the world is. It's marketplace. You got to do this. You got to do this in order to be loved. Most human love, love says this. If you succeed, if you meet my expectations, if you do what I want, then I will love you. Many friendships are like this. Many marriages. This is not God's design for marriages, but a lot of marriages are like this. We have these expectations. You know, even kids. I was thinking about this week. You know, I, I talk about, we talk about kids and maybe kid, a relationship with our children being more covenantal, but 
I, I might be wrong about that. I, I think it's actually a little more marketplace than we want to think because how many young adults do I talk to all the time that are wounded by not being able to fulfill the expectations of their parents? They're still trying to like hold up their end of the bargain. They're still trying to meet their end of the deal. Most human love is like this. It's marketplace. And a marketplace relationship says this. I love you because you give me this. I love you because you give me something and you better keep giving it to me or I will not love you anymore. And and if that is your understanding of love and community and relationship and even your relationship with God, a lot of religions are like this. You better do right. You know, you better do what the gods say or they'll curse you or they'll, they'll cut you out. That's marketplace love. But the kind of relationships that the Bible describes, the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you, I want you to hear this. It's not marketplace love. It's covenantal love. Marketplace says, I love you because you give me something. Covenantal love. Covenantal love says, I love you because I love you. I love you because you're one of my sheep. I love you because you're in my flock and I love you. And if you're in my flock and if you're one of my sheep that I know and that I love and that I care for, I'm gonna lay down my life for you. I'm not a hired hand. The hired hand runs and flees. The hired hand abandons the flock. When the wolf comes, right? The hired hand says, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's, I'm just here to make a few bucks, <laughs> Just here to get something out of return. It's not worth risking my life for these stupid sheep. But that's not what the shepherd does. In fact, the shepherd always puts himself in between. Look at verse 13, 12 and 13. He says, he was a hired hand, not a shepherd, does not own the sheep. When the wolf comes, right? When danger comes, he leaves, he flees. And the wolf snatches them up and scatters them, destroys them. And then Jesus, he flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. You know, he doesn't only flee. The hired hand flees in the opposite direction, right? The the hired hand puts the sheep in between him and the danger. And I hate to break it to you, but that's the way so much of this world is. It's what hired hands always do. And so much of the love of the world is like that when things get hard, when things get dangerous, when there's no beneficial exchange, no marketplace exchange, people are out. Most religions are this way, right? If you don't please the gods, you're out, but not the shepherd. Jesus says, I'm just the opposite. I'm not gonna flee from you. I'm I'm certainly not gonna put you before me in front of the danger. In fact, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd that goes and takes on the wolf for you. I'm the good shepherd that puts my way, myself in the way of danger, not you. And not because the sheep can offer him anything. That's the point. They're sheep. They're defenseless. I love them because I love them. They're in my flock. I know them. They're helpless without him. And he totally loves them. Verse 14, I says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. That's an amazing thing. You know, I talked earlier about who wants to be exposed. Here's the deal about Jesus. He, he does know. You can't hide from him. He knows what's in your heart. He knows how much of a mess you are. And he says, I know you, I love you. And my own, the ones that have tasted this love know me. Just as the Father, this is an amazing passage here. 
Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. We talked about this a little bit last week, but what Jesus is inviting you into, the kind of love that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have had for one another, the kind of harmony and unity and beauty that has existed in the Godhead for all time. What Jesus is saying is that kind of love that I have for the Father, I have for you, and I'm inviting you to experience it. I'm inviting you in. I'm inviting you to know it, to taste it, to experience it. Don't you see what Jesus has done for us? He knows us. He loves us. When danger comes, he doesn't run away. And here's the deal, guys. Danger has come. Danger is here. You're all in danger all the time. You know, the greatest danger is your own sin, your impending death, and the impending judgment that you'll face from God. And you know what Jesus says? In light of all that danger that we do face, that we have, that's that's upon us, Jesus says, I will run in. And he has run in as the good shepherd. He protects us from our sin by becoming our sin. He protects us from death and the punishment of sin by dying for us and by taking on the full punishment of God. He protects us from being separated from God forever by being separated from God himself so that we could be brought in You know, we talked about this last week, but Jesus is inviting you in to the love of the Father, to know the Father, the same kind of love that he shares with the Father. He longs that you would have with him and that you would have with the Father, that you would have with the Spirit. And of course, Jesus says all of this. I want you to hear this. This is not just something he said to his disciples way back in John 10. He says all of this with you in mind. And when I say you, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you in this room. Look what he says in verse 16. He says, I have other sheep. This is you. By the virtue of you being here today and hearing this message, this is an invitation in the name of the Lord to know God. And Jesus is saying to you through his word today, I have other sheep, that's you, that are not of this fold. They're not here yet, but they're coming. They live in Atlanta in 2023. And he says, I must bring them in also. And they will listen to my voice. So there'll be one flock and one shepherd. He's talking about us. The good shepherd, he doesn't run away. He he doesn't run away when danger comes. He runs in. When we had nothing to offer us, he loved us because he loved us. Don't you see the kind of love that God is displaying in Christ? And so the question is, is, look, the sheep... Everything, everything, their protection, where they're going to eat, their sense of identity, their sense of value, it all comes from the shepherd. If they are not connected to the shepherd, they're done for. What about you? What are you connected to? Who is your shepherd? Do you have a shepherd like this? Is Jesus your shepherd? Have you heard his voice? Are you listening to his voice? Are you following him? Are you dependent on him? Just like the sheep. I mean, just like the sheep. I mean, they know there's wolves out there. They know there's woods out there. And so they're going to stay close to the shepherd. What about you? Or is one of these hired hands called out to you? Are you listening to another voice that, that will abandon you in times of danger? That doesn't really love you? That's just using you? That's just trying to get some benefit from you? What voice are you listening to? Do you know this Shepherd, and, and when you have felt a love like this, it's enormous. It's life-changing. And it's really life-changing when you realize who this shepherd is. And that, that gets us to our second point here, the authority of the shepherd. You know, people like to act very independent, right? 
You know, you know what people say? I hear people say this. I don't care what anybody thinks, right? You hear people say that? You ever said that? If you've said that, you should quit saying that because that's not true. Like, you do care. I mean, you do, you do care, at least what someone thinks, right? I mean, you care because you, you, you're not totally independent. You, you don't get a sense of self-worth and identity only from yourself. If you say, well, I am brilliant, I'm brilliant. I believe that I am brilliant. That'll, that'll only get you so much sense of identity, right? Somebody has to say like, yeah, he's brilliant. Like if Harvard says this guy's brilliant, then it's like, okay, maybe he is brilliant. Or you could say, I'm an incredible athlete, right? I'm an amazing athlete. I mean, look, look, look at how great of an athlete I am. Well, okay, well, if the, if, if the only authority that says you're a good athlete is when you were, you know, seven years old playing single A baseball, Little League, you know, then maybe you're not that good of it. But if like the Atlanta Braves say, this guy's a good athlete, then all of a sudden, okay, there's, there's an authority, there's something that we perceive to be authoritative that has said, you are a good athlete. Or I'm an amazing writer. Okay, well, what, what have you written? Does anybody listen to it, right? So you understand, the point I'm trying to make here is the connection between identity and authority, right? Your sense of identity is connected to something that you perceive has authority, something that you perceive can in an authoritative way say, yes, this is true. This is why a lot of people find most of their identity from their work or from their money, right? Money has authority or from certain friendships they have, right? Because people have, people perceive these things to have authority in the world. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. Those authorities, it's so important to us that those authorities, whatever they are, you may have like a weird relationship with them. You may hate it, right? I know a lot of people that are in jobs, they hate their boss, they hate their work, they hate what they do, but they, they love the, 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 the sense of identity that it gives them. Or there's organizations that they'll put up with. Well, I've got to put up with this because there's a sense of authority that, that this gives me. There's a perceived authority that it, that it gets them. The amazing thing about this text, and I want you to hear this, I want you to get this. The amazing thing about this text is Jesus is telling these disciples, look, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd that loves you. I've laid down my life for you. I love my disciples. I love my sheep. I'm the good shepherd that loves you. And oh, by the way, I also have all authority. I'm the only authority that really matters. I'm the authority of authorities. I'm the one that truly has authority over life. I am in control. I am one with the Father. I am God. Through me, you can know God and be connected to God. You can have eternal authority and identity through me. That's the invitation of Christ. It's not that he says, just as I love you. It's the one who has all authority that loves you. What gives you a sense of authority? I mean, what, what, how... What do you think about? What gives you a sense of identity, right? I always say, you know, your sense of identity is the kind of thing, it's the thing that comes into your mind when someone cuts you off in traffic. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody cuts you off, somebody offends you, somebody, you know, does something impolite to you, and it's like that first thought, well, if they only knew that I was the regional manager, they would have let me go first, right, you know? If they only knew that I had a million dollars in the bank, they would have let me go first. If, if they only knew that my high school best friend, you know, is this guy. That I think, kind of thing that comes to your mind that gives you like a sense of, oh, sorry, what, what is that for you? And I just want you to hear this. There, there is no more comforting 
There, there, is, there is no statement that, that can give you a, a greater sense of peace and authority and identity than the simple phrase, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Like, I'm just a simple guy from Alabama. I don't have a notorious family. I have no wealth. I have very meager accomplishments. But I know God. I know God. And God knows me. And God loves me. And and even though God knows how ruined I am, because God knows everything about me, you know, it, there's, there's not something that's going to come out that's going to make him abandon me because God already knows it all. And yet he loved me in the most profound way by sending his son Jesus to die for me. And there is nothing I have that gives me a greater sense of worth and value and identity than that. I know God. I mean, what, what do you have that's more impressive than that? You know, what, what do you have that says, well, yeah, but I know you know, so-and-so, oh, I know God, and God knows me, and God loves me, and God's loved me in the most profound and amazing way, and I can rest in that. Jesus is saying something incredible here. He's talking about this kind of authority he has. He says, for this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that, and this is an amazing statement, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. No one has authority over my life is what Jesus is saying there. Now that's an amazing statement, actually. No one has authority over my life. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This is the charge that I have received from my father. Jesus is saying, I have complete authority over my life. And therefore, I have complete authority over everything. No one has complete authority over your life. You want to think you do. You want to say, well, I'm an independent person. I have authority over my life. No, you don't. You, don't. you are so dependent. You're not independent. I mean, today, while you're leaving the church, you could, you could get hit by a car. You get, you know, somebody gets slammed you, you die. Who's, who's got authority over that not happen? Who can make that not happen? Somebody could drop a bomb in the church right now. Who, can, who has authority to not make, who has complete authority over their life? You could get sick. You don't have complete authority over your life because here's the deal, you're so interconnected. If you, if you really think about it, you have very little authority. For Jesus to say, I have authority, complete authority over my life. Nobody can take it from me. I can lay my life down and <laughs> I can pick my life back up. He is saying, I have authority over life, I have authority over death, and I have authority over all things. The one who has all authority. He's saying here, I am God. The one who has all authority is also the good shepherd who loves you, who takes care of you, who, who wants to come near to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he has all authority? You know, I talked about this last week, but the enlightenment, it wants to separate the real world, the world of fact and science and marketplace and institutions, these real things. This is what gives you an identity, right? This is what is real. It wants to separate the real world from the private spiritual world. Oh yeah, your, your religion, prayer life, uh, your whole God thing, your church, that's nice and all. That's nice and all, but it's not the real world. It's private, right? If it helps you, right? If it comforts you a little bit, if it makes you feel better, great. 
but it's not the real world. You want to bring it out at a funeral? That's fine. But it's not the real world. The, the Enlightenment taught us to kind of separate the worlds here. And I mentioned my conversation on the plane and the woman had this kind of notion of God. It was very personal. I, I like to think of him when I get afraid or she says, you know, different people think of God in different ways and this is how I think of God. And, and I told her, I said, well, you know, you can certainly have your own idea of God, but you know that that's nothing more than an imaginary friend, right? Like, you know that that, that notion of God, I like to think of God like this, my God is like this. I was like, you know that's just an imaginary friend. Now, an imaginary friend's not a bad thing. If you want to have an imaginary friend, that's, I mean, that's fine. That might help you. That might, you know, comfort you. But I'll just say this, but an imaginary friend has no authority. Imaginary friend only has as much authority. <laughs> it only has authority in here, in your imagination. But that's not, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying I'm a, a good shepherd that you can think about when you get sad, make you a little happier. He's not saying I'm a, I'm a good shepherd that you know, when you get a little lonely, you can kind of bring me up in your imagination and I'll hang out with you. That's not what he's saying at all. That's an imaginary friend. Jesus is saying, no, that's not who I am. I am God. I'm actually the most real thing that exists. I have authority over life. I have authority over death. I have authority over all things. I am God, and I have revealed myself. You know, I've talked with this girl, and I said, you know, we don't know everything about God, sure, but we know a lot of things about God. He has revealed himself. He's not to be molded by us. He is definite. In fact, he, he molds us, not the other way around. Do you believe that? Or has the... Has this age kind of lulled you into believing that God is no more than an imaginary friend? Or do you believe that Jesus is the true shepherd, the one who has all authority and all strength? He is the real world. He is the real, real world. He connects you to God, the eternal being, who's so much more real than than anything else that exists. Everything around you, I mean, the, the material world is so temporal, it's so short. God is eternal. And if you believe that, if you believe that through Jesus, through Jesus who has come to to manifest himself in this material world, you can have a doorway, as we talked about last week, you can have this gateway into the real, real world, into the world of knowing God, that will totally transform you. That'll totally transform you. It's transformative. Do you believe that? Has this transformed you? And that brings me to the third point. It's transformative in our day. It was transformative in this day. It's clarifying. Look at verse 19. We're going to look at the division of the crowd, our third point here. It says there was a division among them, right? So, you know, they get it. I like this crowd. I like this crowd. I, I, I want to preach in such a way today that what happened in this crowd would happen in this crowd. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make this story come alive right now in such a way that this wouldn't just be a little Christian fairy tale, but this would be a real account and what happened in this crowd would happen in this crowd. Because there's gonna be a division today. There's a division of the crowd. And I like this crowd. This is there was a division among them. Some said... He's got a demon. <laughs> this guy's insane. He just said, I can lay my life down. 
I can take it up again. This guy just claimed to have authority over all things. He, he is insane. Why listen to him? But others said, no, these aren't the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon do what he just did? He, can the demon open the eyes of the blind? He's talking about verse, uh, what, what we saw in chapter nine, where he healed this man born blind. I respect this crowd. Some of them have more courage than us. They get what Jesus is saying here. They don't, they don't make room for the imaginary friend or good moral teacher category for Jesus. Either he's a maniac, either he's evil. I mean, that's what it's saying here. Jesus is either evil, insane, bad, oppressed by a demon, or he is God. Either, either, either you should totally reject him, you know, get, get out of here, right? Or follow him as Lord. Either he's a maniac, he's insane, or he is really real. This text makes no place for this enlightenment private religion thing. If it helps you, if it gives you some wisdom along the way, if it makes you better in the real world, then it's good. It makes zero room for that. Makes you zero room for that. Either he is a maniac, he's insane, he's with a demon, he's evil, or he's God. It's very clarifying. And look, this is, this is Jesus' invitation to you. The, the good shepherd, God himself, the one with all authority, has, has recognized your spiritual helplessness. This is the amazing news of the gospel. God has seen that you and I were sheep, how helpless we are spiritually. And he's come to us to be this good shepherd, to lay down his life for us, to give us his life for us, to come in between us and the danger, to come in between us and our sin, to come in between us and judgment, to come in between us and death. And again, it's not like Jesus is just this little servant that does this. No, this is God who has all authority. And if Jesus has all authority... And your sin separates you from Jesus. Your, your, your sin moves you in relationship away from Jesus. Then have the courage to confess your sin, to repent of your sin. Tell, tell somebody about it. Shine light on it. Get rid of it in your life. I mean, if this is real, then this is real. Admit that you're more messed up than you would like to admit. That you need a shepherd. And here's the good news. You have a loving shepherd who loves you. Lay down his life for you. He already knows everything about you. And so he says, this is my sheep. I love you because I love you. If Jesus is Lord and he loves his people, then we should love his people too. We should make time for his people. We should come into community. As I say, if Jesus is Lord, come into community. Make time for his people. Be in community. Join a church. Find brothers and sisters that can stir your relationship onto the, on, in Christ. If this is real, then this is really real. You know, if Jesus is Lord, then his purposes are supreme. You know, are, are you really living for his mission? Do you really see like whatever, however God defines my life, whatever God says is valuable, that's what's really valuable. Or have you bought in to a lie of the age? Are you, are you finding an identity in something that, that is ultimately so temporary and short? If, if, if Jesus is Lord, then get on mission with him. Be generous with your money. Be bold in sharing your faith. 
Be bold in obeying his mission. He is the good shepherd. He has all authority. He's going to take care of you. Here's, here's the deal. You, you, you're all going to anchor your life somewhere. You all have. You've, you're all anchoring your life somewhere. You're all getting a sense of identity from something. What is it? Some of you are anchoring your life in work or family or, or wealth. Some of you are just anchoring your life in the sense of self that you have. And that is why you feel like a wandering sheep all of the time. The good shepherd, the true good shepherd, God himself and his son Jesus comes to you and says, I love you. Come to my flock, listen to my voice, obey my voice. I lay down my life for you. Won't you believe this? Won't you look to him? Won't you trust him? Won't you listen to his voice? Let's pray. (sighs) Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to here today. Help us to see what is really real. Father, I pray that, I pray right now for the person and there is a separating sin in their life. There is a sin issue that is separating them from having fellowship with you. I pray that they would right now believe that Jesus is the good shepherd. He actually loves them. And if they turn to him, they confess that sin. He'll forgive them. He'll call them in. He actually has authority. He's the most important thing, that they would love him more than they love that sin. I pray, Father, you would give them the courage to confess that sin to another person, to shine light on it, and to do whatever they can to, to, to seek victory in Christ over it, Lord so that there would nothing would separate them from the love that is in Christ, that from the experience of knowing Christ, Lord. I pray for the person today that sees the most important thing in their life as some worldly goal, and they have not taken a hold of the mission of God. I pray, Father, that you would give them the faith to be radically generous with their money, to be radically generous with their time, to be bold as they share the faith, as they disciple others. Father, I pray for the person that has not made a priority the people of God. They've bought into other things. They they say things like, I don't have time for the people of God. I don't have time community, I pray, Lord, you would bring just conviction to them, that you would pull them into this community or another community that is centered on Jesus. They would believe that the good shepherd who has all authority calls them to be a part of his flock, his people. I pray today for the person who's never trusted in Jesus. They're, they're here today and they're, they're curious I pray that clarity would happen in their heart and that today they would have to decide, is he insane or is he God? Is this, is this truly life-changing? Is it, could I truly be loved like this by God? Could an authority like this really love me? And, and I just would say, friend, if that's you, the answer is yes. 
And so, Father, I, I just say you would press that yes into their heart. You would press the good news of the gospel, that there is a good shepherd. He's unlike any other hired hand. There's a bunch of hired hands out there. They want to take our lives. They want to use our lives. And when the danger comes, they want to put us in between them and the danger. But there is one good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Lord, help us to look to him today, to believe in him, to trust in him, to worship him. Give us faith, Lord, to this end. We pray this all in Jesus' name.